listening to the Dudes and Dads podcast, a show dedicated to helping men be better dudes and dads by building community through meaningful conversation and storytelling. And now, here are your hosts, Joel DeMott and Andy Lehman. Welcome back, guys. We are on episode six of the Dudes and Dads podcast. Where has time gone, Andy? Episode six. We're here. We are here. We're loving it. Uh... My only gripe about today, Andy, was the sun finally came out. Uh, this has been a May to remember, or one I'd like to forget. And uh, the sun comes out, but it doesn't come out until the very end of the day. Uh, that is true. It's Yeah, it's been raining most of this month, and it's been awful. Lord knows I need that sunshine. Yes, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, Andy, here we are, episode number six. This is going to be one for the record books, and I can say that because we only have six episodes in. and so It's going to be a record breaker. It's going to be a record breaker, for sure. I got yeah. it. I feel it already. Um, so Andy, uh, let's just kick this off with our, uh, our first segment. Cause I, we got so much to talk about tonight. What's brewing. What's brewing. Andy, uh, fill us in on what you, uh, so we're actually, have. we're actually doing tea tonight, not coffee. So we are brewing the Lapsung tea. It's, if you've never had it, <laughs> pinkies <laughs> out, <laughs> it is, uh, Great. It's kind of a smoky flavor to it. It's like drinking a campfire. It's like drinking a campfire. That's exactly what it is. And uh, as I was just reminiscing about this, the first time I had this in public was up at the Sanchez restaurant in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, it was it was you, myself, and two of our good buddies on a on a men's deep spiritual retreat. We we stayed at the Dominican Center, if I am remembering correctly, we did. and then we went to the Sanchez, which is a tapas restaurant. That's T-A-P-A-S, in case you were confused about what I'm referring to. Some people hear that word wrong. And uh, we were there around the table uh, eating all kinds of strange foreign foods that we couldn't pronounce. And uh, Andy goes, yes, we'll have the uh, lapsung we'll tea. Lapsung, yes. And, that- <laughs> and the dude looked at us like you were on the inside, like you had like some sort of Illuminati membership or something. It was amazing. It's true, because it's a good tea. If you've never had it, it's good. It's kind of like drinking a campfire. And you, you ordered it online, right? You just... I'm- I had have I have had it online, yes. Yes. So yes. can you get Lapsung? Like, can you just go down to your local grocery store? Usually, you have to get it online, or like I got this cup here, uh, or this bag that I have here. We were in Philadelphia a week ago, or two weeks ago, and I got it in, at a little place there. So Philadelphia, the epicenter of Lapsung tea. Yes, you, so. you heard it here first. <laughs> All right, so Jones, let's talk a little bit about tonight about our guest. So we, yes. we do have a guest tonight. Yes, we do have a guest. Uh, we are absolutely uh, thrilled to welcome our good friend Dustin Carr to the show. Uh, Dustin, well, let's let's do the dad stats first of all. Dustin uh, has been married to his wife, Amber, for 20 years, the big two zero, and uh, he's got four boys, which means he's he knows the pain that we experience with four children and uh, running around and all of that good stuff, uh, but four boys. In in order of youngest to oldest, Liam nine, Owen eleven, Joa thirteen, and Evan sixteen. I just uh, the the real question I have is: Does this man sleep? That's what I want to <laughs> so know. So, Dustin, do you sleep? <laughs> do you sleep? Uh, no, I no. do not sleep. See, and, and the thing is, like Andy and I, like our both of our youngest right now are doing that whole like crawl back into bed uh-huh. us thing. Like Molly is two and a half, Hattie's three. Yes, and I'm getting a heel to the kidney on a nightly basis. <laughs> And I just, I want to look to somebody who's a little bit yeah. farther down the road and say, oh, certainly. It gets better. It's just a different kind of exhaustion. Okay, that's fantastic. That's so. I feel so encouraged already. <laughs> um, so uh, Dustin, amongst doing the amazing work that he is as a father of four and being married for 20 years, he also serves as director of Lippert Academy for Leadership. 
for those of us in the Elkhart County area specifically, we know Lippert. We it's, know yes. Lippert. Absolutely. Um, just turn a corner and they've got a building there. Uh, so, uh, let's see here. I'm, I'm going, uh, Dustin, if these numbers are inaccurate, I'm going off of your LinkedIn account. So we'll okay. see if they're uh, up to date. Uh, 11,000 coworkers there at, at Lippert, 65 facilities, correct. 17 states, yep, including Canada and Europe. Correct. You've gone international. We have gone international. Oh my yes, goodness gracious. Yep. And, uh, if that weren't enough, uh, I mean, you know, when I read when I read Dustin what he's doing, it's like I really need to get my life in track on order. <laughs> I've got I got to get some things together. He also serves as an associate pastor at River Oaks Community Church, where uh, Dustin and I actually, well, when we all, all first us, connected yeah. back in the day, yeah. Yeah. Yep. and so uh, he uh, helps with uh, adult discipleship ministries, kind Correct. of in general, yep. and uh, leadership development there. And he teaches on Sunday on occasion. On occasion. Oh, Again, he does not occasion. sleep. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, um, exactly. And does not sleep. So much to learn from this man. Uh, so we're just excited to have uh, have you here, Dustin. That's Thanks great. so much for yeah, joining us. Absolutely. We appreciate it. Glad to be here. And uh, this is like, it's a, like, we've had good guests. This is like, a, we're, I got to say, we're on a roll. I don't mean to, <laughs> I don't mean to pat us on the back, but we're doing pretty well here. Like, it's just boom, 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 boom. So Andy, uh, give us give us the rundown here because not sure, only absolutely. does Dustin do all of these things, he's also an author, and so tell us more about that. So the book that we're actually going to be talking about tonight is a book that Dustin wrote, "Dear Boys: The Letter Every Son Needs to Hear from Needs from His Father." Sorry, I butchered that one up there, but it's okay. Uh, so we're talking about this this book a little bit tonight. So uh, first off, can you tell us a little bit just the the basic of the book, why you decided to write it, and just kind of a, your elevator pitch on the book first? Yeah. So the 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 elevator pitch for the book is it's a letter that I wanted to have written for my boys that if something were to happen to me. If I weren't going to be here to raise them into the godly men I'm called to, that would sort of be the guide and a roadmap. Um, and so, I mean, that comes out of some personal health history sure. of my own. You know, I'm 42 years old. Uh, my uh, On my dad's side, my grandfather passed away at 61. He had a brother die at 63, another brother at 54. My uncle passed away at 58, and my dad passed away at 53. So there's this weird genetic disease rare that runs in our family. It's a long, boring story unless you're a science geek, so I won't bore <laughs> anybody with that. But I've known since 26 that I've had that. Okay. Um, and up until recently, really no cure. I'm on a drug now. We hope it's working, but we don't know. So this idea that you know, I have this huge heart to go, how am I going to raise my sons and what happens if? Now, the reality is, is, you know, we could pull out of the parking lot today right. and get run over. So to live with that. And so that's where the 10 sentences came from. Okay. Um, the inspiration for 10 sentences came from um, Abraham Lincoln and the Gettysburg Address, right? He was not the primary speaker that day. Some guy that none of us have ever heard <laughs> of and remember spoke for a couple right. hours. And Lincoln gets up and in 10 sentences and less than 275 words delivers the Gettysburg Address. So I heard that and I'm like, well, 10 sentences, That's that starts to flow for me. Sure. So I wrote the letter based off of that. And it really just talks about what are those areas of life that I want my boys to hear directly from me on, mm -hmm. um, either in person or um, or in this letter. And then the book's designed to go through together, fathers and sons. Okay. So there's questions in the back for fathers and sons to go through. So I'm going through it now with my oldest as he's getting ready to turn 16 just uh, gotcha. here Thursday. So wow. um, that's coming to an end. So that's what the book is designed for. 
Cool. So you you've only officially gone through it with one or going through it with one son. Correct. Right? Correct. So yep. The others know it's coming. They have, the others, yeah, they know it's coming because once it showed up to the house and <laughs> and you know they don't have their copy, but they, they don't have their copy, but they know that it's they know that it's out there. And, and and honestly, a lot of what I talk about is stuff they naturally just hear me talk about sure. all of the time. So let's talk a little bit about that. So you mentioned ten sentences. Let's. Um, I don't. I I've read the book. I was actually privy to kind of read it pre actually you yep. know before it actually even came out i got to read parts of that yep and one of the things you mentioned in there is having mentors and accountability partners let's talk about, about that and what what exactly how does that play in into this and and, and raising your sons yeah and, and so leaving a legacy for I, them I, you know i think for me i think there's this idea that that all of us should have we should sort of always have three people in our lives we should always have someone above us right that's a mentor someone who's who's gone before to give us guidance, to encourage us to know, hey, they eventually do leave the house. Like you need, we need those kind of <laughs> please, people. Lord, please, yeah, please. Like they are gonna right. So you need someone above you. You need people beside you that are those um, accountability people and really people that help you remember your identity. I mean, I'm almost becoming more of a believer that it's more of an identity group than an accountability group, right? Like if we all have the same heart and the same purpose, that's e- an easier conversation than, hey, did you do that? Did you yeah. not do that kind yep. of thing? Yep. And then you need to have someone behind you. So you should be mentoring. And it doesn't matter what stage of life any of us are in. We could always be mentoring someone. I mean, even Evan at 16 going as a freshman, he's involved with you know, the, with the, the young kids at church and doing that type of stuff. So, so for me, it's putting people around and I want my boys to see that. That also means that I've got a group of men that will come alongside my boys if something were to happen to me. Right. Because the reality is, is as great as my wife is, she couldn't raise godly men right? because she's not a godly man. Right. Um, and so we've got, you know, I've got five men, um, some that are really good friends of mine that know Evan others. They're really good friends of Evans that I know. And they've all, they all got copies of this. And it was a real, if I'm not here, here's the role. Sure. Are you in? How, so, um, and I'm recently as Jack and I were upping our life insurance, we have to have the conversation of where our kids go. If mm-hmm. something happened, a catastrophic loss, both of us are gone. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like the darkest and yet most confusing conversation I have had because we're like, who do we leave? Because for our case, it's you get four kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, believe me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's not just that's one just, or two. It's not just, and it doesn't matter how much life insurance is coming with them. Yeah, that's exactly right. Four kids. It's like you get two thousand dollars, and the well, wait a sec. You know, get two million and four. Ki- well, wait. Yeah, hold yeah. on. Um, when you were thinking about those that that tribe mm-hmm. of that those men, mm-hmm. you had some you had some things you were looking for. I did. Yeah. I so. I wanted them to, I wanted to make sure that, um, that they were secure and they knew who they were in their own faith. Um, they had their own clear understanding of what manhood meant. It didn't have to be my definition, right? But it had to be, it had to be, um, they had to know what they, where they were going, right? The whole idea is, is, and the book is designed to help call my boys from something to something, not just calling them out of right childhood and adolescence into nothing but call them to something so there had to be some men that i could felt could speak into evan and the reality some of those guys will be the same five men for joa mm-hmm. and right. the some will be different yeah right because joa is is different all my boys are very different and so they'll all have some of those men will be the same right um we've got a good friend that you guys know scott tilly yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. right scott is one of those men right Good. and and so but there's also men that 
Joe doesn't know them and won't connect with them. Yep. So there'll be other there'll be other people. I wanted them to be people that I knew had enough maturity, and um, it's a big ask. Yeah. Oh yeah. To go. Was if, there an interview process? Um. No, I'll be honest. It really drove off of the relationship with Evan. Yeah. Okay. Is where is where it started. Great. And then once it did, it was an interview process to go. Here's my expectation. Read the book because it, I talk a lot about the other men that will come alongside mm-hmm. him and what that means, right? Because that means, hey, you're going to need to be letting him hang out with you and your family, mm-hmm. right? Assuming at some point, I would assume my wife would get remarried, but I want them to see what godly marriage looks like. I right. like there are conversations you all need to be checking in on him because I'm not if I'm really not going to be there. So yeah. it's a big ask. And it was also one of those things said, you can lose that status. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just right. because yeah. you're there now, if right. something happens, okay, all of a sudden yeah. I don't want you to be that influence. Or as they get older, relationships change. Mm-hmm. Okay, it just may not be. And I think that's important for us as we think about identity groups, as we think about that. They're seasonal. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, yeah. depending on the season of life, that depends on the kind of mentor you have. Mm-hmm. Depending on the season of life, it depends on the kind of identity or accountability group you have. So you went into the group, like checking out the guys saying, hey, like, you know, would you do this? But hey, also know that this may change. You may not always be on this. Yeah, just go, it's, it's, you're in until you're not. And then you're out. <laughs> right. And, and nothing, no offense and, and to no you. No offense to right. that. And it's not and, like you find like a severed head, no, head horse no, in your no, bed or no, anything like that. No. no. And, right. and some of that, Evan will outgrow that. I mean, let's be honest, right. by the time. At this point, I mean, we've got a, his manhood ceremony coming up Saturday. By the time he's now going to be 16, he still needs some of those men in his life. But now he's going to start playing an active role in his brothers. Right. So at some point, he will, he'll never outgrow the need for those people above, around, and below. Right. But the guides may not have the same role they would as if something were to happen to me now. So those guides, are they also like some people you meet with regularly, like on a, like a kind of a group or, or is it just outside We've had that? conversations. I've had conversations with all of them individually mm-hmm. and if once or twice collectively, okay. especially as we get around some of these milestones. So as we're getting ready for what's coming up um, to make sure, hey, this is what I need from you. This sure. is the expectation and what that looks like. Sure. Now, one of the things I did like in the do like in the book is you've got questions in there for the dad. Mm-hmm. You've got questions for the son mm-hmm. and you've got questions for both mm-hmm. and and to discuss that and I like I do like the fact how you this is a book that you go through with your son. Yeah, and that's really I think that's important for a couple reasons because it sets the expectation for Evan of what does this look like? Like there's a time where it's okay for you to have some serious conversation. And two, I wanted the dads to have to be a little vulnerable. Right. So when when we sit down and we talk about what it means to honor and respect your mom, um, the question is, hey, where have you seen your dad honor and respect your mom in the last month? Hey, where have you seen your dad not? That's tough. Uh Yeah, that's Uh tough. Right. That's that's a hard question. So but but then all of this that we do, these conversations, they come into the teaching. They come into Mm -hmm. the parenting. Right. So all I have to do now is tell Evan when he says something in a way to Amber, I go, hey, honor and respect. And he's like, and then he'll. (laughs) And it'll do it to me. Yep. Hey, Dad, honor and respect. Crap. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. right? But, but that, yeah. yep. te- I'm, what I'm teaching him is what accountability, what it looks like to have other people and other men speak truth right. into your and life. And I'm sure that that does a lot of things for them to see you say, hey, you can call me out on things that I don't, that you don't, you know, that I'm, call- I'm, tell- I'm calling you to. You can call me out on those same things. You bet you. In fact, when they turn 13, I take them out to breakfast and I sort of introduce them to the, my definition of manhood, uh, which is sentence three in the book. And I say, listen, all you need to know is that that's what it is. And I just want you to watch me mm-hmm. for the next three years, because you're going to hear me use the words in our conversations 
in our teachings. And then eventually it's something I'm going to ask you to embrace sure. fully. So you, you said it is 10 sentences mm-hmm. and the, the book is broken down into those sentences. It kind of has an introduction and then it has, it goes through each one of those 10 sentences. So I'd like to kind of break those down a little bit and just talk yeah. to those, talk about those. So your sentence one says is titled your guide. So can you talk about that? Yeah, that's me, right? That's, sure. that's the fact that they're always watching. You know, I use the illustration in the book that I remember we were sitting around the table and, and, um, it's not uncommon and you guys can relate to this. Someone always spills something, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And Everything is sticky. All Everything the time. all the time. Right. Well, one of the kids spilled a glass of milk and he slammed us and he went and he cussed. Yeah. And instantly my wife looks at me <laughs> and I go, why are you looking at me? <laughs> and I think it was in that moment, it was reinforced. They're watching you like all the time, uh-huh. right? Like you are their primary guy. Sure. And that means, what does that mean to be a guide? Is that idea that you've got to get their attention. I mean, think about if you've ever had a guide take you somewhere, right? You're listening to them because they come with a level of expertise and a level of confidence, but it also means they have to know what they're doing. Right. Right. And so it really came out of, you know, there's this reoccurring theme in Proverbs where, where when the, as they write it, they continue to call my son, my son, listen, like you're trying to get their attention. And I think in today's world, it can be really hard to get our kids attention especially as they get older, mm-hmm. um, whether it's with extracurricular stuff or just friends or social media, we need to make sure we get their attention, which means we better know what we're calling them to. Like, right. I don't want to, I don't want to pay for a guy that has no idea where he's going. I just don't want to go for a nice walk. Yep. And I think that's the point of what the guide is. is I have to know where I'm going first before the, I'm going to call him anywhere. The, the guide does not have the role just simply because a label has been a, a job title has been put on them and they're just you know hey since i'm dad i'm guide automatically the, the, there you has to be clarity there, you earn it yep. you earn it every yep. day and you yep. can lose it mm-hmm. right. right you can lose it it can be two steps forward one step back and you can lose credibility um you're right because i mean think how many people you know that would go i don't ever want to be like my dad right for sure and here's why because of yep. he did this or when he left or so Right. There's a responsibility that comes with that, um, that you have to know where you're taking them to. Absolutely. It, well, and it, it helps you sit down too and kind of look at your own life and, and evaluate what you want to leave that legacy that you want to leave for your sons. Like is X, Y, Z something that I want to pass on or not? Yeah. And, and honestly, that's as much of my hope in the book is that every dad will write a letter to their son. I think where it has to start is every dad gets clarity about what they're, where they're going. Cause I think that's what I see more than anything is, is, is men just don't, have that clarity. They don't have a clear definition of manhood. So how are you going to call your son to it or even teach it to your daughter? If you don't, if you haven't clearly defined it for yourself. Right. And and that's super important because I I think that's one of those things that both sons and daughters can, can learn from too. Cause like you said, you know, sons are going to be men someday and they want to know, am I a man? And and, And you've laid that definition out for them. And then daughters also see that definition of a man and say, Hey, like this is somebody that I, I would look, want to marry. So this is the standard, yeah, right? Exactly. This needs to be the standard for exactly. sure. So let's for talk sure. about sentence two a little bit. It's called your mom. Yeah. Your mom. Um, right. And <laughs> which that's, sounds like it could be a bad joke. Could be, right? Your it mom. Could be your, it's not your mama. We didn't title it that. So, um, that's the way I want them to interact with Amber. Right. And so, so that looks like honor and respect. Um, I talk about honor and respect a lot in that chapter. And the reality is, is their relationship with their mom will change over time, right? I mean, it really will. When the, when the boys were young, 
um, Amber was the primary caregiver. She was primarily responsible because we wanted them to live. So they were, <laughs> right? I mean, like yep. we want them to, to, yep. to live and survive. So we just, we do what they say. But there comes that shift, especially with boys, where they're going to start, they need to start looking to us, mm-hmm. right? And oh, by the way, moms need to start pushing them to us. And we need to be ready to bring them on. But that, that relationship with mom is honor and respect. And that gets different even as they get older. I, I talk in here a lot about when I'm gone, the way you honor your mom and the way you respect and love your mom sometimes can look really different, right? And this idea that children are called to obey their parents, but the, the commandment was to honor your mother and your father, right? And grown men are not to obey their parents. They're to honor their mother and father. And what does honor look like? Well, that depends, right? I mean, honor could can mean a varied of things. Mm-hmm. What I give the boys permission to do is if I'm not there and they see Amber doing something, we're going, man, if dad was still around, he'd probably say something because he's protector, because he was responsible. I feel like I need to have a hard conversation with mom. Mm -hmm. I want to give them permission to do that because they need to, right? Because if I'm not here, they are now all of that for Amber that I, that I was going to be. And so help them understanding what honor and respect looks like. Um, I also will tell them, listen, before she was your mom, she was my wife. <laughs> um, and I've, I've said that pretty forcefully to a couple of my older boys. But mm. listen to me, um, you can talk how you think you want to talk, but remember, she's my wife. And I don't like anyone necessarily talking to my wife that way. I don't care. I don't care if you're a nine-year-old, you're a 19-year-old, or you're a 39-year-old. Right. You're not going to talk to my wife that way because she was that before she was your mom. So that idea of honor and respect mm-hmm. is really important to me. I hear that a lot through the conversation that we've been having, honor and respect. And I I think that's great. Yeah. And helping understand what is that? I mean, what does honor look like? Right. And the analogy I use is I, in fact, Evan and I just, we had this conversation and I said, so think about the most famous female in the world that you can think of. Like who's the one person in the world you would want to meet? Who is that? Whoever that is, whether that would be Princess Diana or Mother Teresa or whoever, right? Imagine you were at a dinner party with them and you got to sit right beside them. Would you cut them off every time they were talking? Would you talk over their stories? Would you ask them to get up and, uh uh-uh, no, you wouldn't. How would you treat, you'd listen, that's honor, right? Honor is because it's this awe factor because of who you are, right? And that's really, really important because that'll carry over into dating and eventually their own wives. Right, absolutely. So we've touched on sentence three a little bit already. It's your manhood, Mm -hmm. and so that, deals with your definition of what that looks like uh, to be a man. Can Is it something you can, yeah, you're so, right here. So my no. definition is, um, and this is, this is my definition of manhood. This is really my personal mission statement as well, is that I want to be a man of God who has kingdom impact on my family, friends, and community by thinking differently, leading courageously, and living passionately. And so that chapter talks all about what that, what that kingdom impact looks like. That's what I'm chasing right with family friends and community in that order family first small circle a little bit bigger Mm -hmm. circle larger circle and community and then my sort of core values and my guardrails are that thinking differently leading courageously and living passionately so we spend a lot of time talking about what those what those mean so you know and i think for some listeners here you know when you hear the term manhood or masculinity or like all these terms that get thrown around together or whatever I, I don't think th- that would be the assumed definition for some people that mm-hmm. hear it because you are not placing 
you're not placing your definition within uh, within some sort of uh, caricature of a man or whatever. Right. You, you've you've placed it at a at a higher level, um, and and that's where I mean that's we got a lot of men that are in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just and and young men in particular. I mean, just oh gosh, last week. So Aaron gets up early uh, before I know that he's up, and he's watching the morning news. So my nine-year-old mm-hmm. and like I walk out there, and it's the, it's the most recent Colorado uh, mm-hmm. shooting, mm-hmm. and he's watching this, and he's because that STEM school was a K through twelve school, mm-hmm. so he's seeing little boys his age yeah. run out of there, right? And I'm I'm having a moment of like, what is like here my son is exposed to this or whatever but like i i just in my mind i'm like what what because again surprise surprise another teenage white male mm-hmm. uh, to them you know open open fire and like our boys are in trouble mm-hmm. uh, how they're understanding what it means to be like that you know what it means to be a man to take mm-hmm. to take action something is off kilter there and i think this definition that you've given us just flies in the face of of all of that like stronger tougher you know pound down you know get, yeah. climb my way to the top that kind of mentality yeah. it's not it's not a macho right but it's not you know there's this this idea of toxic masculinity yeah. and right. and what right, does that right, look right. like and the reality is i think that comes from a society that has its roots and its identity grounded in something that it shouldn't be right like when it's rooted in when your identity is rooted in something higher then you're going to be called to that yeah, absolutely right and yep. and that definition is is broad enough but it but it fits for me and it becomes my filter and we're going to talk about leadership in a little yep. bit but yep. it starts with knowing th- it all right. starts out of that identity because again if i can't call them to something then what happens right i mean adolescence is a culturally new term mm-hmm. right i mean i freak out thinking 150 years ago my 16 year old would be looking for farmland <laughs> that's no right kidding. and a wife that's no right kidding. like there's no way yeah, right yeah. But this idea that, well, you can stay on my insurance until you're 26 now, like this idea of adolescence is new and it's because they're no longer boys, but you have a generation of guys who hasn't called them to anything related to being a man. Mm. So they're set adrift, mm. right? It's why, it's why guys ages 18 to 34 spend more hours a week playing video games than 12 to 17 year olds mm-hmm. because it's the, it's the reason they're the number one marketed group in the world because they have disposable income and they have no sense on how to actually spend it. Andy, my wife told me, and she tells our people this, that she married me specifically because I don't play video games. <laughs> that was the thing that sealed the deal for her. And so uh, just real quick, several years ago, we were newly married, no kids yet. And uh, two good friends of mine, we were at Cabela's and we walked in. It was my birthday weekend and World's Most Dangerous Hunts was like right in the front mm-hmm. door. And they're like, Joel, we know you have a Wii. We will buy this for you if we can play it at your house. <laughs> And so I'm like, sure. Jackie wasn't there. We start we start playing. It's like on a six. I was babysitting my brother's 60 inch uh, <laughs> screen or whatever. And so I just want you to imagine three men, video game. Jackie walks in like an hour into our playing, and she just stands in the door. And that was the last time I ever played a video. <laughs> game. Nothing wrong with video games, but, but yeah. Just- but point but point being, men that are inoculating themselves to real life mm-hmm. to their their or. Uh, escaping uh, mature maturity it's escapism yeah right it's it's yeah. not wanting to deal with the responsibilities you have whether it's video games uh, working out golf league or you know fantasy football 
Right. Sure. Yep. So sentence four is we've touched on it a little bit. The your guide. So is there anything else you want to talk about? That no, you're going to skip I, I past mean, again, that. Again, I think that's the right. men that you have to decide who are they going to be, and what are you going to ask them to do, and understand that it's only that it's seasonal and mm-hmm. it can be temporary. All right. So moving on, then uh, sentence five is your job. Uh, can you talk a little bit about yeah, so, what, that, what you mean? So this really gets to what role do they play in each other's lives, right? So now as Evan is turning 16, he's going to be taking an active role, more of an active role, right? So how I took him out to breakfast on all these, when I take Joa through it in mm-hmm. two more in a year, because we start going through it when they turn 15, Evan will take him out to breakfast once and be responsible to have a conversation with Joa about what Evan's role is as that job, right? And And the reality is if I weren't here and Liam was still of those age where he had some of those ceremonies coming up, mm-hmm. then those, my boys would have to step in. If they have nephews, if they have whoever else around them, they mm-hmm. have an active role that once they embrace it, they no longer are getting brought, you know, they're now part of the group. Like sure. you now have an active role in this job. You're part of, yeah, you're part of this calling others. And so even if let's say, you know, you only had one son, they still would have a job. Like you said, with, nephews and other we people still around, have a right? job with with other people that they have influence over right. towards what we've called them to correct okay so six and seven are kind of together uh your wife yeah i'll tell you this was the hardest two ch- <laughs> it really was it was the hardest two chapters and this is where side note if you're it, if people go what's the best thing tell me you can tell me about writing a book and i would say get a really good editor um because she made this look really good because it was <laughs> so bad because it was just so hard to talk about, right? And that really is what does loving and leading your wife look like and how and how do you do that? Um, so that talks about everything from, from dating and we sort of did do a sidebar on some general rules on how to have the talk with your sons um, all the way up to what does it really mean to be the head of the house, right? I mean, what is that? What is that? that I mean, if we're called the leader, man, that's not anything to take lightly. Um, and I think I, I struggled with it the most just because it's what I, you struggle with. I mean, mm, you know right, it. Right. Yep. That role of, of head of the house and leading your wife and leading your family is really, is really, really hard. But it's in those two sentences where I lay out for them, here's what that means, right? Here's what servant leadership looks like, right? Like everyone likes to talk about, you know, Ephesians 5.22, go back to 5.21, where it says submit to one another. another absolutely. Like lean in, lean yep, in, right. lean in, lean in. What is that really... What does that look like for for your wife? And what are those characteristics you're looking for in a wife? Because that will set the stage for a lot of other things, mm-hmm. for and, sure. And also, you, again, calls you back to like, okay, watch me. This It keeps you in accountability oh. with, with treating your wife with respect and yeah. being that leader and, and, and showing by example to your sons how, that, how yeah. that looks. And I can tell you, this just came up last night. We were some parenting stuff, and then my, you know, my wife and I. I'm trying to sort of decompress, and I asked her. I said, "So, I go help me." I go, "How would I do that differently?" What would, and then she's like, "Well, I don't know. What does your book say?" And I'm like, okay. "Oh, I'm like, all right, never mind. You're yep. not any help. Thank yep. you. Thank you very much." That, I just feel like that book is going to keep on talking yeah. back into your relationship. Oh, it, it, no, it absolutely, it yeah. absolutely will. But, but again, it's it's having that conversation with your sons that I don't think a lot of dads ever have. Which is why it's really hard when, you know, when they get, when they have to answer that question, look their son in the eye and talk about a time when they probably didn't do it very well with, you know, when they didn't do it very well with their, with their wife, for sure. So then eight and nine are another chapter, two chapters that are kind of combined under one topic, and that's going to be your savior. So let's talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah. So this is really reminding them and talking about that. I want them, right. I, I hope they take hold of the faith we give them and I hope they can carry that, but there has to come a point where they have to fully integrate that and embrace it. Right. I mean, we carry our, that faith for them. There's a reason, you know, people will go, well, why do you go to church? And I would tell them early, I went to church to help create the habit in my boys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I liked the singing and yeah, the teaching was great, but I really went to create a habit of going. And there comes a point where I hope they will embrace that for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that also gives them permission in there to go, how you live out your faith can look very different than how I live out. What God's called me to doesn't mean that's what he's called you to. And I need to be okay that if that path <laughs> right. doesn't look like my path, yep. right? And that's true whether, listen, we play football around here, so you're going to play, like whether it's that or whether it's your route to go to college or not go to college or mm-hmm. when do you get married? Do you get Like all of those things that they've got to embrace it. I want them to take it and make it. I want them to make it their own. And I use... Um, I sort of pick on Cleveland a little bit, but I use the analogy. Of, I love it already. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I use the analogy of, of being a Cleveland Browns fan. I'm, I'm not, but, but think about you have, you have generations of people our age who are die. I mean, they are diehard Browns fans. Where did they get that from? Cause it wasn't like they were on a bandwagon of a great organization. They like sadness. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. They just like cloudy days in February. So that's it. Have right? you had, have you felt the winter breeze off Lake Erie? Oh, right, right. exactly right. But it's that idea. Why? Because their dads and their grandfathers talked about it and embraced it over Absolutely. and over. And now all of a sudden the kid who can't even remember a winning season remembers the play 50 years ago. They weren't even alive that broke the city's heart. That's what it looks like to, for me to embrace faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, not wanting to make my boys Cleveland Browns fans, but <laughs> but embracing the faith in a way that it's theirs and they own it. Right. And the last sentence in the oh, no, you go for it. Last sentence or the chapter sentence is called. Um, oh, sorry, uh, your reminder. So talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah. So so the reminder is just that it's um, uh, the sentence says, "I love you. I'm proud of you, and I always have been." Right. It's it's that idea that that regardless of anything else, uh, my love for you isn't based off the actions mm-hmm. right these are these other things we've talked about are really really important mm-hmm. but if i'm thinking if i'm going to end a letter that would be read to them at my funeral that's what i that's what i want them to remember that's your, when it's yeah. all when it's all said and done yeah closing sentence right? that's exactly right yeah, that, one of the things that i i do already for my kids is even like almost every night when i tuck them in i say you're loved and there's nothing you can do about yeah. it because it's, it's that idea of like no matter who you are no matter what you turn out to be i'm still gonna love you right because you're you're my child right modeling what a father's love really looks right. like my my mantra is uh and they're getting tired of us i keep on saying though i like you and i love you yeah i like you well there's um, been times where i've loved them but <laughs> the like part is like hard them? yeah i don't know yep. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I want, but I guess for my sense, like I want my kids to know that, like I enjoy them, like I, yeah. I genuinely enjoy them. Uh, sometimes I want to lock them in a small room, but you know, <laughs> right. nevertheless, at the end of the day, it's like, uh, I mean, there, there are those moments. There, there, there is nothing better than seeing your kids grow up yep. and doing it in a way that is, uh, Aaron. Okay, so Aaron, my nine-year-old, for Mother's Day. Un, uncoached, un anything, brought my wife breakfast in bed. Ooh, wow. I about I about lost it. And I'm like, but but see, but it's like, okay, where did he get that from? Yep. Like, mm-hmm. where did that, you know, 
there's something in him that is that is building and that like I just enjoy like those things when those things click when you're like oh something yeah, enjoy them right save them yeah. cuz like something is happening here um man those are those are things to be uh to be celebrated yep. for sure yeah so. yeah and so then the rest of the book is just talking about you as the reader yeah so it's to, really that encouragement then for a dad to go okay um I, you don't it doesn't have to be 10 sentences it doesn't have to fit that mold just do something mm-hmm. right so so i then just say okay here's here's my areas right is your job and your faith and your man like just start somewhere mm-hmm. and i go by the way even if you need to take the majority of that letter just start i mean when i came up with you know my definition of manhood i didn't have mine originally it was from something i had went through several years ago and i embraced that one and then it evolved and i started to i took it and made it my own right, right. the same thing like we were just talking about with faith so the whole point is just start somewhere and do something because I think it's too important that, that they it's, I think it's really important for sons, especially sons to hear their father's heart as they're getting ready to go out into the world, which is where I'm at with Evan at 16, you know, in two years he's, he's completely out. And so that's going to be, um, that's going to be really important. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on and talking about this. I think we're going to talk to you a little bit more about leadership and, and your, how you, that relates to, parenting also but first where can our listeners get a copy of your book yeah if they're interested so in so dearboysbook.com okay is uh, is where they can get that the kindle version is on amazon i'm working on getting the audio version out on audible <laughs> hopefully that will be Ooh. that will be coming we'll get are that. you gonna are you gonna record it oh yourself? Yeah, yeah we're gonna we're gonna read i'm gonna read it myself voiceover so. actor yeah, I no. <laughs> <laughs> for sure so we're gonna record it myself so hopefully audible sometime later on this year but dearboysbook.com is uh, is where they can go and and get a copy of the a copy of the awesome. book. Thank awesome. Thank you. So, well, now uh, we get to also talk about one of uh, kind of a passion that clearly intersects and draws uh, Dustin and I together, and that is the world of coaching and leadership development. Um, so, so Dustin, how long have you been with Lippert now in your uh, director of? Got director of the Lippert Academy. Academy what leadership. what is yeah, so what is start, the Lippert, <laughs> the Lippert Academy, Academy for Leadership? For leadership. So, I'm intrigued. So I've been with Lippert um, about two and a half years. So I was um, they there's a group of folks that are um, dr- leadership directors inside separate divisions. So you've got different groups. So I did that for about two years. So that was doing training with frontline leaders all the way up to to the executive in that in that division, and then doing. Um, group training and individual coaching, counseling, personal, professional development. Um, we launched the Academy just this year at the beginning of 2019 as we started to have a lot of organizations sort of saw some of the things we were doing. Lippert culturally was not always the best place in the world um, to be. I mean, five or six years ago with 5,000 team members, they had a turnover of about 127%, wow. which is is awful when you think about how many people you're just churning and burning. Um, and so what happened was, is that really sort of focused, got a lot of our executives to go, hold on, there's got to be a better way. Um, and so through really a long process and what we've been on this journey now, six years or so with just in 2018, about 11,000 team members, attrition is right, was right at 30%. So that started to get a lot of other people to go, hey, what are you doing? Like, how does that work? And so where we found an opportunity was essentially to go, well, how could we take what we've learned? Not that we got it all right. Not that we still don't have things to work on, but how can we take some of that and help other companies? 
Um, so that's what the academy is. It's essentially a consulting agency, a separate division. And I get to work with for-profits and non-profits inside the same industry we're in or outside that industry, um, doing leadership coaching and consulting. And that help. that's a pretty broad, whatever they need from strategic planning and business development, all the way up to developing core values to doing trainings and communication trainings and executive coaching and whatever that is. So, um, so that's what I've been doing. What? So in, in my, so my world is primarily coaching with, uh, yeah, with non-for-profits and, and ministry groups and, uh, a lot of, a lot of like youth workers and mm-hmm. things like this. Uh, I'm assuming it's the same for you. You began to see common themes in the needs of organizations, uh, common toxicities, yep. common dysfunctions, all of these sort of things. Um, what are you seeing? Like, what are you seeing right now? Like what, when you're kind of like walking into a place fresh, uh, what are like the top three things that you're noticing, like on the areas of dysfunction, like what, what clicks with you right yeah, away? So right away, the top things that come to mind is I think there's a lack of clarity, um, and actually vision. Mm-hmm. Right. And I ask organizations all the time, I'll go, how many of you have, a, how many of you work for an organization that has a vision statement and everyone raises their hand? I go, how many of you could quote it without pulling out your business card? And everyone's <laughs> hands go down and go, well, that's a pretty crappy mission statement. Like right. if, if you don't know what you're called to. So I think that's the first thing. Yep. Um, I, the second thing I see is, is especially at mid-level leaders and up, um, they are fo- so task focused um, that they miss the real impact of, of interacting with people well. Um, and then the third thing is just generally is helping people understand who they are and why they show up the way they do. Man, oh man. So as it turns out, what he just says here apparently is not much different in the church and ministry settings. Uh, I wish, you know, and, and it's cause it's human, it's humans, right? It's human. No, it is. It's why, it's why even inside my role at River Oaks, we do, we do a couple of different levers, levels of leadership development mm. because it is, it is absolutely no different. It doesn't matter if you're a for-profit or non-profit. Um, that dysfunction is not, um, <laughs> it doesn't pick sides. It'll go anywhere. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm just beginning also, like when you just mentioned like the task driven task oriented nature of, of le- like people seeing leadership only through the lens of getting things done mm-hmm. and, 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 the tangibles of that or needing, you know, and it's like, cause I think, I think some of the best leaders, if you looked at their day, like you'd be like, what exactly mm-hmm. did you, <laughs> what exactly did you do today? I mean, they worked hard, yep. but if you had to put it down on paper, um, like, and, if, yeah. And the reality is if you have a high level leader inside, especially an organization where a lot of stuff has, has to get done, if that leader is doing a lot of the stuff, Holy cow, is that a problem? Either they're causing all sorts of havoc because they're in the weeds, um, or they are so um, they are so driven by their own importance and ego. I've got to do this. My team can't function without me. I, I have to have all the answers. You, that's someone who is so insecure mm-hmm. that you don't want those guys. You're paying them to lead for that reason. They should be working on the business and working on developing the teams and let the the day to day stuff focus on that but we're in a it's a mindset where how much did you get done today what'd you do what'd you do like what what, show me your to-do list how much stuff did you get done and the problem with with i think leading well it requires you a lot of times to sit behind a desk and just go hmm the problem is is if you sit at your desk like this right here for too long people start to go what is he doing (laughs) are you doing anything what like what are you doing right like yep 
but that's exactly what it needs to be. Yeah, I um, I'm just thinking recently. So my 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 brother Ben, if you're listening, hi. Uh, my brother was just recently hired for a large company out in Colorado. Uh, he is now a data scientist. Now, what that means exactly? Don't get me started. But his the the CEO of the company came to him and goes, "I want you to spend fifty percent of your time thinking and fifty percent of your time hmm. executing." And and my brother was like, I have never heard such a high importance for thinking, mm-hmm. for envisioning and imagining and, and creative space. Wow. And uh, he, it's like a breath of fresh air for him. And I, and I, just, I just think like the, the art of thinking, the art of actually of, in, in mental health and, and in psychology generally we call it executive attention. That mm-hmm. is thinking about thinking, mm-hmm. which we share – uh, you know, animals don't do that. It's something we as humans get to do that no one else does. Um, I'm just like, if you let life just go by you, executive attention leaves you very, very quickly. Sure, it does. Uh, and and people don't think that they. I've never seen in a job description. People like we want you to spend this much time thinking. And about- what we argue and try to help leaders understand is is regardless of that person's role or responsibility, um, if you can engage them in thinking about their job. They will have so much more buy-in to what they're doing. They know the job better than you do anyway. So in manufacturing, we want to talk about continuous improvement a lot. Well, how do we do that? Well, you do that by going and asking the people that do it all the time how they could do it better, right? Engaging. We want to engage their heads, not just their hands. Mm-hmm. We want to engage their hearts, right? And yeah. so what we found is there's this there's a shift that that work for so long has been transactional. You show up. I pay you money. You go home transactional what it has to be and i think what you talk about the, the you know i'm a gen xer so but the generations behind me right you guys just came off of talking right. Gen, gen z, z. right and, and those those generations they don't want transaction they want them to be more relational so show up do good work we will pay you but how are then are we going to enrich your life beyond just what you bring to us with the physical labor that you have, right? So how do we help you? How do we engage your family, right? So whether it's community service or helping them with financial planning or all of these other things, and that's the mind shift for leaders is not to go, well, no, no, here's the task, get the schedule done. No, no, no. How are you engaging your people? So you're actually want, they want to come back because we want them to feel good, right? I tell leaders that you live at the dinner table. So when someone goes home, they're going to go home to someone they love and that someone is going to go, hey, how was work today? And in the moment they ask that question before they answer, that's where a leader lives. Mm-hmm. Because the person can go, oh, it was terrible. The machines broke. The system was down. It was a really, really bad day. That's very different than going, oh, it was terrible. The machines broke. The system was down. And he was all over me like it was my fault. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? right. We live at the dinner table. So what are we doing to invest in people? to help them live their best life. Sure. Yep. Absolutely. Right? And oh, by the way, that goes back to then helping them understand why they show up. Yep. Sure. Yep. Right. Uh, when you're going through a vision, uh, I think it is a special kind of terrible death to go through a visioning process <laughs> that comes off the rails. And I've been a part of a few of them where we're multiple day meetings. Mm-hmm. We get caught up in the language and the lexicon of what, you know, mm-hmm. uh, mission, vision, value, da, da, da. Uh, what, um, without releasing all this high, uh, the high, highly sensitive proprietary, infor- proprietary mm-hmm. information you have, uh, yeah. wh- what's, what's your, vi- because I think 
when we talk, start talking about vision statements, when we talk mm-hmm. like vi- so, we, this is vision for our family. This is vision for our workplace. This is vision for I you know I have my own personal, uh, yep. I have vocational values and vision statements. Um, what what's the secret sauce for you? I mean, what's the what's the what's the process that you're seeing where there's buy-in, there's clarity, and then there's a- there's actionality to it? Yeah, and the reality it's the same for whether we're talking an individual or an organization. Yep, um, and I'm a firm. I'm a firm believer that that um, that leadership is inside out. That it starts with our identity. Who are you? Mm-hmm. Whether you're a person or you're an organization, right? Out of your identity come your values and beliefs, right? Those core values you guys have, your organizations have, come out of who you are. Out of those values and beliefs, then come behaviors, right? So if you don't like the behaviors. You can't just change the behaviors. You know as well as I do, stop doing these five things and start doing these. That will last for a very brief period right. because there's no real internal right. change. Right? Absolutely. So it starts with helping who are you? Who are you at your core, right? That's where I go that back to that personal mission statement. Mm-hmm. I need to know who I am. I define my values and my beliefs, and now I find an organization where they line up. For companies, it's the same thing. We start with going, okay, who are you, right? Based off the group, based off maybe you're the, the, you know, the C-suite, based off whatever it is, who are you? Now, what are those values? And so we help them create core values. Now, my own core values may not be the same as the organization's, but if I can buy into the organization's because they somewhat align, that's what we want. Those core values then become this common rally point. They become the North Star that regardless of socioeconomic, regardless of the way you dress or how I think you vote or what you do with your free time, if we can rally around a set of core values, we can all absolutely move in the same mm-hmm. direction. Absolutely. Right? And I think too many people spend way too much money and time trying to come up with this great vision statement that will look fantastic on the wall in the lobby or on the annual report. But if no one knows it and no one actually lives it out, then just save your money. Right. Well, and, I think yeah. the, that goes back even to as a, as families, like if you can, you know, you're the way you live and the, your beliefs, like you said, for your child may not exactly be the same, but as a family, if you can buy into that and you can lead out of that and you can, yeah. I want my boys to embrace being men of God who have kingdom impact on their family, right. friends and community by thinking differently, leading courageously, leaving passionately right. own that. As you get older, if you want to make that your own and tweak it, do that. Yep. Start with this, and I want you to buy into this because yep. if you don't buy into this, we're right. it's but it's what that be miserable. What that looks like for your sons is going to look drastically different from, for each of them, and as well as you. I mean, it's going to sure. be a different, a different for sure. Thing. And I think that's the point when you're talking leadership and in, in organizations is is it can't be so narrow, right? Like if your mission statement is anything related directly to customer service or the specific product you sell, you've missed the boat completely because it's so much bigger. Than that, so at an organization where we're in the RV, we talk about um, we talk about making lives better by developing meaningful relationships with customers, coworkers, and our community. That doesn't talk about the axles we sell or the door. That has nothing. It talks about the way we show up, not mm-hmm. what we do once we get there. Yep. But it talks about the way we show up, and that's why identity is such a huge piece. And where when I do coaching, we always start with that. We start with some sort of core value discovery, personality discovery, because we got to sh- figure out how you show up before yeah. we can figure out anything else. And so to bring it back around, I mean, as you're, uh, you know, I'm finding, um, and I, I've said this to a few people, um, I think if we're talking about discipleship process, mm-hmm. coaching 
I, I like I'm I am I am now addicted to coaching as an essential part of the discipleship process. Mm. Uh, I just like it has been the thing where like I'm seeing growth within my teams just because of a of a mindset of like uh, we have to go places with people that we that we don't naturally want to go yep. that we probably want to avoid. There's going to be some tough conversations, but on the other side of this, we have a vision and a direction for where we're going. Um, when you think about your process of coaching, what you're learning, what you've encountered, all of that, and then you bring that to your own dinner table, mm-hmm. you bring that into your home. Um, wh- what is the transfer? What do you, what yeah. do you, what's, where are some things where you see like there, there's a direct connection yeah. there? So the reality is for me coaching when, when, I mean, I'm always hesitant of, of people that do coaching when they go, here's my five step plan for coaching. Cause the only person that's really, really good for is the person that wants to sell that over and over and over again, right? Coaching is a very one-off process and my goal in executive coaching or any kind of coaching I do is to help that person be the best version of themselves. Mm, yep. Now apply that to my sons. My job is to help them become the best versions of themselves that God has called them to. Mm-hmm. And man, he may not have called them to what he's called me to. And so if I start to impress what I think, well, Hey, why don't you do this? Hey, you should do like that doesn't work in coaching, right? Coaching is much more, man, that sounds hard. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> exactly right. That sounds like an awful problem. I've, I've ticked a lot of people off by asking those questions. Like, no, you're supposed to tell me. No, 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 no. You've, that's not people my job. People go, just, will you tell me what to do? And I'll be like, no, yeah. I won't because I'm not you. Right, right. Right. And I'm not in that situation. And that's, man, that's, that's, it's easier for me to coach outside. For sure. Because outside, I can try, that's easy. Inside, I much more lean towards just compliance Mm -hmm. because everything will go, because outside, I know I don't have that kind of authority. At home, perceived or real, I have a different level of authority. Right. And so it's just sometimes easier if you do it the way I want you to. Right. Yeah, or but, become or become daddy advice giver. Yes, like people want advice. This is they're addicted to advice, but they don't do your advice. Yeah. Like, and that rule changes again as our, my boys get older, right? The conversations I have with my fifteen now, soon to six, be sixteen year old, is different than with Liam, my nine year old. Yeah, right. That my role for Liam right now looks very different than Evan. Evan, it's it's way more coaching. Hey, have you thought about? Hey, what happens if? What do you think would happen if? Hey, what's tell me the worst case scenario, right? The, <laughs> yep. Now I don't. Yeah. Some of that I have to start with Liam, but there's times where Liam doesn't need that type. He needs a little more authority, a little more direction. He's yep. nine. Right. Yep. He needs abstract that. thought is a little, it, little right. Tougher. I, we don't yep. need it to be right. Lord of the yeah. Flies. Right. I don't want it to turn <laughs> right. into that. With Evan though, I mean, he's two years away from doing whatever he wants. I've got to make sure he's in a position yep. to make. To go, I'm choices, not making yeah. that decision yeah. for you. Yep. And Absolutely. you will live with those consequences whatever they are. So that to me where is where it's one in the same. Awesome. And that's just such an antidote to the helicopter parent phenomenon that, you know, I, I see it every, every ball game or elementary school, uh, PTA meeting or whatever it is where you're like, you, because you're selfish and because you're a self-centered parent, <laughs> you, and you're afraid you are living vicariously through yeah. your child and their failures are your failures. Da, 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 da. You're unwilling to do the hard work of, of moving in a direction of saying, you know what? They're gonna. There's gonna be a day mm-hmm. where you need to own your own. You've got to own that. I mean, and again, I always tell people if you really think 
that there aren't parents that are helicopter parents where they hover or lawnmower parents where they just clear a path. <laughs> they just Ooh. mow down the yeah, hard grass, right? right? Just go to like a second grade science fair. Oh my god! Like, come on, that kid can barely tie his shoes and he made that? <laughs> no, he didn't. The parent made that because they're concerned about what other parents yeah, are going to think. That's exactly right. That's well, hey, great. Dustin, we thank you for being on, but before we let you go, we do one thing with all of our guests. And that is the dudes and dads oh, pop yeah. quiz. This I can't wait for. So dudes and dads pop quiz. Joel, take it away. Okay, so here here we go. Uh, Dustin Carr, favorite restaurant. Uh, locally, it's Antonio's. Good answer. Uh, favorite love song. Um, <laughs> Lady in Red. Oh, uh, let's see. Next up, we are to. Uh, oh. Uh, uh, where did you? Uh, f- uh, where did you take your wife on your first date? We went and saw the movie uh, Dave. Oh, that's that's that'll date me really quickly. <laughs> some people, some of you guys, will have to Google that movie. Let's just be clear. I just that was like a softball toss for Dustin to impress his wife. Yeah. Uh, he does remember. That's good. Yes, I do. Um, let's see here. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, I had I had more. Um, fa- oh, uh, if you weren't doing what you're doing right now. What would you be doing? Other other job that you thought that you thought maybe you had a future in? I don't know. Uh, elementary school teacher. Yes, <laughs> I was. Om- I almost. Hard. I was a semester away and a, a semester of student teaching away from an L.A. degree. Wow. And then I switched because I thought I was going into it just so I could coach, and that's a bad decision. <laughs> hey, you hear that, coaches? So, so, the, so I have a psychology degree because it's the only degree I could still get in graduating four yep. years. That makes that makes sense. <laughs> Thank you, Grace College. Yes, uh, yes. My wife will love that. Uh, and uh, finally, uh, we're gonna say uh, what? Um, oh, let's see here. Uh, if you oh, if you could drive any vehicle that you have not driven. What would it be? That I've not ever driven. Um, I'd love to drive a Lamborghini. Ooh, just to, just for a little bit. We knew him when. Yeah, uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. we just saw him, and it was like in a, a blaze of glory <laughs> right out there. Well, Dustin Carr, you have com- you've successfully completed our dudes and dads pop quiz. Congratulations! Thank to you. you very much. Uh, I think, uh, my goodness, Dustin, we appreciate so much this conversation. Yeah, Thank you. I. Uh, I, I need to go home and be a better father and a better I I've got just a lot of work to do, Andy. Yeah. You've we got all, a book you can go through now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got the book. And it's signed too. Listen, it is but listen, it does not say, you know, it's not one of these one hundred percent guarantee things. Oh my gosh. There's no money back guarantee on the book. Oh right? my so. gosh. Yeah, we uh and listeners, here's the deal. We we just want people to uh develop community. We want to introduce our friends to you. Um if you want to get in touch with Dustin, uh, Dustin, where can people find you on the interwebs? Yeah, out there? so the easiest place is uh, Instagram or LinkedIn. It's at Dustin Card. My last name is spelled K A E H R. So you can hit me up on either one of those places. Fantastic, and of course, uh, Dustin is the host of uh, of a, a fellow, podcast, a fellow, fellow podcaster. Fellow he, podcaster. He, he came podcast ready. I know. I like this side of it. It's, <laughs> it's way. It's much easier just to sit here and talk for sure than to do all the stuff you guys are doing. But yeah, the Lippert Academy for Leadership podcast. Uh, you can find that anywhere you get your we'll, podcast. We'll link it on our show notes. Yeah, so we'll have all that in our show notes so you can get a hold of Dustin and see what he's doing. Uh, Dustin, I got to say, uh, I'm excited about what you're doing. I'm excited about the impact you're making in our community, the impact you're making uh, for the kingdom. And, uh, man, dads, get a hold of this book. Read it. Do do the stuff. And uh, I just, you know, if nothing else, uh, you'll be one step further in the direction of uh, just building, man, 
having healthier boys, and that's what we're all what we're trying to do here. We just have healthier boys. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do in this area, and uh, whether it's your biological kids or other youth uh, out there, uh, kids just they need our help. They need some direction. Absolutely, so absolutely. Get it, get in on it. So again, uh, this has been another great episode. We thank you so much. We do. And if you'd like to support this show, you can go to dudesanddadspodcast.com slash support. I'll take you to our, Insta- our Instagram page, our Patreon page, uh, and all of our other show notes can be found at dudesanddadspodcast.com. Hey, thanks for listening, guys. Go out and get this book, be a, write your sons a letter, and just show them the, the manhood. Like Explain this to them and, and just help them out. Yeah. Guys, we love you. We're grateful for you. Keep the uh, feedback coming. Dudes and Dads Podcast at gmail.com uh, and all of our other social media feeds. Until next time, friends, grace and peace.